0: study is in Psalm 145. So let's take our Bibles and turn there. Psalm 145. Here David is writing about kind of an unusual spiritual concept that we don't uh, probably think about very often. Something that we don't talk about a lot. It seems a little bit odd, a little bit um, peculiar to speak this way in terms of uh, our relationship with the Lord. And we probably likely don't do it as much as we should. And yet, what we're going to study this morning, this principle, the spiritual principle that's in this text, brings God great joy. Now, you know that we can do that, right? We can bring joy to the Lord. How many want to bring joy to the Lord this week? That God would be in heaven and looking down on us and saying, that person, that body, that church brings me delight, they bring me joy. When I look at them, when I watch their lives, I'm not discouraged if we can speak just kind of in human terms for a second. I'm not disheartened, I'm not frustrated. All I feel is joy and satisfaction that that person is living for me. It's really an amazing concept. And here in this text, we see that we can delight the Lord, we can bless the Lord. So, we're going to take time this morning to define what that means, and then we're going to really apply it at the end because it's not only an important principle for our praise and our worship and our prayer, but it also is essential for how we live as children of God. Because in verse 2, which we'll read in just a second, David says, Every day I will bless you. Now, we need to understand what that looks like and what it means for our lives and how we're going to fulfill that because. What he's suggesting and what we need to kind of understand at the outset is this is not, excuse me, this is not a a one time commitment. This is not a scattershot approach to our faith. It is a lifestyle commitment, a lifestyle discipline, a lifestyle uh, sense of discipleship in terms of how we live. Now, what kind of impact would we have? How much would we affect other people's lives if the defining characteristic of our life was that we bless the Lord? Who would be affected around us? Who would, who would see our spiritual strength? Who would feel spiritual encouragement from us? Who would, um, who would be drawn to the Lord? What would our witness be like to unbelievers if every day, every moment, they saw us blessing the Lord? Doesn't it make sense that if we're going to spend all of eternity before the throne of God praising Him, that we ought to start practicing now? Because we may get to heaven and be sorely disappointed. Like, wait a second, I thought this was, you know, my favorite golf course and all my animals and my favorite food and and I just get to kind of rest. No, heaven is about praising God. We might as well go ahead and get started. Because we are going to be in the presence of our Savior, the presence of our Lord, the one who sacrificed for us and redeemed us out of sin, he calls us to praise him and to bless him. So as we read, notice how much of the focus, and we'll deal with this in a little bit, how much of the focus is on God's greatness and God's power and God's majesty, and how little, actually it's really none, of the focus is on David as he writes, or on any of his problems or any of his needs. We know there are other psalms like that. This one is not like that. And if you and I can carry that prevailing attitude throughout our lives, if that can be what defines us, then we are going to see things in the right perspective and we're going to live powerful lives of confident faith. So let's see what David says here, verses 1 to 7. This is a great psalm. You can read and study the rest of it this week because it will give you some strength and some reassurance. But let's start in verse 1 and read to verse 7. I will extol you, my God, O King, And I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. They will eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. Now David writes, I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. Now usually when we talk about blessing, usually when we use that phrase as believers, or we talk about um, being the subject of blessing or being blessed by God one of two concepts comes into mind the first is uh, kind of the the biblical action of uh, blessing that was used primarily in the Old Testament where there was a a gift of inheritance or a statement of approval uh, this was almost always from a father to the firstborn son where he would bless the son and it was kind of a Uh, a declaration of honor and a passing of of the birthright and the heritage. We see it a lot of times throughout Scripture. Probably the most memorable example of the importance of the blessing and the importance of the birthright was with Jacob and Esau because Esau wasn't minded to the things of God. He didn't really care about the Lord. He cared about his physical uh, and emotional desires. So when he comes in one day hungry from the field and Jacob's there with a pot of stew and he says, Give me some stew and I'm about to die, uh, which is not a sentence you hear often. But um, Jacob says, well, you know, let's make a little trade. I'll give you some stew you give me the birthright. And Esau squandered the blessing. He squandered what was rightfully his because he didn't care about the things of God. It's a spiritual metaphor in a family story. So the blessing that was passed down, the, the actual confirmation of approval, was primarily in the Old Testament. The second way we think about blessing is probably more common to our thinking as believers because we don't tend to put our hands on people and say, I bless you. But we do talk about blessing in terms of how God blesses us. And we kind of define that as having special favor or or something the Lord has done where he's worked in a unique way. We know there are official blessings in the Bible, but, but more often when we talk about it, we think about it in terms of God's everyday actions. How He's guided us, how He's helped us, how He's answered a prayer, how He's directed us and given us what we don't deserve because He's merciful and He's loving. We say things like, well, the Lord's really blessed me this week. Or the Lord uh, blessed that prayer. I I prayed and really, my faith wasn't strong, but God really blessed it. Or God's really blessing that church. we, We speak of it in terms of kind of, the joy that comes from God's favor. Now, almost always, that is rooted in the idea, and I want you to get this visually now, that God is blessing us in a downward work. That He's in heaven, or He's in dwelling, and that He's blessing us down. He's strengthening us and helping us and responding to our prayer, and that He's, he's working in our lives. It's a nice experience. We'd like to be blessed by the Lord, right? This week... You'd love to get to next Sunday and say, wow, the Lord blessed me this week. The Lord really helped me. The Lord really favored me. We always like it when somebody helps us. We always like it when somebody takes an interest in us. Uh, like the call I got yesterday from a, a pastor friend in California. And he said, I just just called. I was thinking about you. He said, look, if you want a break, you want to fly out, I'll fly you out to L.A. I'll put you up in a hotel a couple days and I'll just encourage you. I mean, that's a nice offer, Right. I'm like, hmm, sounds pretty good. If I can find some time, I may take you up on that. He didn't have to do that. He was just saying, I want to bless you. I want to encourage you. I know what it's like. I've been in ministry a long time. And and, and I I just feel like you need to be strengthened. That's a nice gesture. How much greater is it when the Holy Spirit says, I want to help you. I want to bless you. I want to encourage you. I want to strengthen you. I want to meet your needs. And we know, don't we, that God's help and provision is always perfect. It's always sufficient. And at the same time, He's helping us because we like that benefit. He's also refining us. He's also teaching us that we can trust Him because every single one of us, this is not critical, this is reality, every single one of us struggles with faith, right? Every single one of us struggles with completely, undeniably, unquestionably, unhesitatingly trusting the Lord for everything. So God says, through this, as I bless you, I'm going to teach you that I'm sufficient. I'm going to strengthen your faith. But at the same time, I'm also going to teach you that your perceived control, that that all those things that you think you can still manage and leave me over to the side, no, that's not how it works. I want to... to, uh, de-emphasize self so that you'll learn what it means to trust me. So as believers, we love the blessing of the Lord. We love it when God works. But throughout the Bible, there's another concept that we don't talk about very much, and you see it here in verses 1 and 2. We think about God blessing us downward, if you can picture that, that God is putting His blessing on our lives, that He has His hand on our lives. But here in Psalm 145, 1 and 2, David talks about a different blessing. And this blessing is from us upward toward the Lord. Throughout Scripture, we see the phrase, blessed be the Lord. David, bless the Lord in the sight of the people. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. This has nothing to do with experiencing God's favor. It has nothing to do with with experiencing His help. You know, I hear uh, some of the the preachers that are more popular on TV and they talk all about, well, you're just going to get God's blessing and God's favor and you pray and speak a certain way and you think a certain way and God will bless you and God will bless you. It's a very uh, capitalistic mindset to Christianity. It's not what the Bible talks about. The Bible doesn't say, well, keep thinking good things and keep saying good things and keep doing good things and God will keep pouring out stuff on you and you'll keep getting whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, because that's how God works. God's a magic genie. He says, let's get some perspective. Yes, God blesses us. Yes, God's blessing has been more than we can possibly imagine. Now, here's our responsibility. Look back at it. He says, this has nothing to do with you and me. It's not just a trite little phrase that we utter as part of our praise, it has a deeper meaning. It's God-centered. It is offering Him praise. It is offering Him blessing. Now as I'm thinking through that and studying that, the question came to my mind that you may have too. How can I possibly be a blessing to the Lord? God is God. God is sovereign. God is almighty. God is loving. God is gracious. God forgives and heals, and helps. He is everything. I'm nothing. How can I bring blessing to Him when everything I am and have is because of His grace and mercy? What can you and I offer to the Lord, and what difference does it make? How can God look for our blessing? Well, Psalm 145 offers us some insight on this, so let's study a couple phrases, and then we'll receive some spiritual instruction and some encouragement. We're just going to Walk through it quickly and then draw some application. Start in verses 1 and 2. He says, I will extol you, my God. The word there means to exalt God. Exalt means to lift. Exalt means to, to make God the object of our praise. It means to make Him the foremost and only priority of our lives, to praise His name forever. So He says, here's where we start we start by extolling God. When you praise God, when you elevate God, so to speak, when you make Him the priority, what happens? John 3.30, He must increase, I must tell me. It's a scale. So if I'm elevated, what happens to the Lord? He's down here. If I'm decreased, then God's up here. So this is the concept of verse 1 let's get the proper perspective. I'll extol you, O God. I will elevate you. I will make you the priority and you the focus rather than me. So you would increase and I would decrease. Then he says in verse 2, every day I will bless you and will praise your name forever. Now the Hebrew word for bless there is important. I need to tell you what it means because it has a greater meaning than just our concept of what blesses. It's the word uh, barak, and it means to bless and to kneel. And it's related to another uh, Hebrew word, which is Barakah, which is to present a gift. So what is he saying? There's, there's nothing, before I define it further, there's nothing passive about this word. This is a very intentional action that we're supposed to take. When he says, I will bless you every day forever, There's nothing timid about this. This is a forceful, intentional, active action, if I can use the word twice. It it, it is something that we are intentional about doing. So let's define it. The essential meaning is that blessing the Lord is that we're being called to bring him a gift while kneeling out of respect. Or to put it a little bit more practically, blessing God is is to literally and metaphorically fall on our knees before Him, thanking Him, praising Him, showing Him honor and respect, and humbly acknowledging that He is the only God and Lord. Now stop and think for a minute. How many times did you and I do that this week? You say, well, metaphorically, how many times did we literally do that? How many times this week did we actually get on our knees and fall on our face before the Lord and say, God, I praise you. I am so overwhelmed by your mercy. I am so humbled by my sin. I am so full of love for Jesus Christ. I just, I can't do anything else right now. I have to get on my face. I'm so thankful for your forgiveness. I'm so humbled by your calling. I'm, I'm so grateful to be in your presence. I'm grateful that I can come to you in prayer, and that the throne of grace is right in front of me. I don't have to wait for somebody else to intercede and hope that that gets through because they were... No, I can go straight to your throne of grace because Christ tore apart the veil. I can go right to you and receive mercy. Lord, I'm so awed by you. How many times this week? Because that's what he's calling us to. You say, well, come on, Paul, that's a little dramatic. Or, or it's kind of awkward, you know, I mean, what's going to happen if somebody sees me and I'm on my face, you know, they're going to wonder what in the world's going on. Did I pass out? Can, can, am I old? I just can't get up, which is why I didn't get on my face right then. What, what, what are people going to think? It's, it, the Lord knows I'm saved and the Lord knows that I see him as Lord and that I'm grateful to him. But here's the hard question. Does he? Does He really see that? How often does He hear us really bless Him? How often does He hear us be effusive with our praise and our thanksgiving and just present ourselves as a living sacrifice? Listen to the words. Holy and acceptable in His sight. These aren't just concepts for a plaque. They are the expectation of every redeemed child of God. And we have to get to this place where we are saying, I'm going to bless you every day. I'm going to bless you with the words of my mouth and how I live. Let me give you an example of it. I was getting ready for work this week and had a lot on my mind and just kind of woke up with a lot of stuff and started to get ready and I started to pray and immediately, I know you've never done this, immediately I started to launch into the litany of things I needed the Lord to do for me today. All right, Lord, here's my list. I got a lot on my mind. You're going to have to help me with this. And I got about 30 seconds into the prayer and the Holy Spirit stopped me. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was enough that I kind of went, wait a second. And if I had visualized it, the Holy Spirit would have been standing in front of me with His hand up going, wait, 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 stop for a second. And I'm thinking, all right, well, Lord, what's going on? And and I heard Him say in my spirit, are you going to spend any time thanking me? Because I just went right into, Oh, I've got so much on my plate. Here's what I need. And, and Lord, I, I'm ready. And come on, I've got a full day. It, it, it was a gentle, gracious conviction. But it was a conviction. There was no doubt about it. And he stopped me right in my tracks and said, Are you going to thank me? Are you going to spend time praising me? Or are you just going to come to me and say, here's what I want, here's what I need? You know, we love the verse that says, let your requests be made known unto God. Okay, that's, that's wonderful. But are we just as serious about verse 2 of Psalm 145, which says, every day, bless the Lord. Now, why is that important? It's important because as much as we hate to hear it, there is a very good chance that we can walk into this room this morning and we can sing and we can pray and we can uh, give and we can study, but we can do it very passively. No personal investment, little drawing in of our hearts. We can kind of stand and watch and, and there's really no no sense of the presence of God. We're not anticipating meeting the Lord. There's little appreciation of the magnitude of His grace, we're just kind of here, and we came, and, and good for us, we got to church, and we can say, I went to church this morning, I dressed up nice, and I was there, and it was good service, and good to see everybody, and we had pizza afterwards, and it was a great morning. But here's the thing, we can walk out of this whole experience and still be disaffected. We can walk out and still be indifferent but we can say, I'm a Christian, I went to church, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I'm, I'm doing all that. But, but there's, there's nothing that draws in our heart. Now why is that a problem? It's a problem because if you go back to verses 1 and 2, we're supposed to be Barak and Barakah. We're supposed to praise Him and give Him gifts, not just this morning, not just will I put something in the offering. We're supposed to give Him gifts every day. And those gifts are wide. So what are they? Let's talk about a couple of them real quick. How do we give to the Lord? Well, obviously, our literal gifts, what we just did a couple minutes ago in the offering, we gave our tithe and our offering to the Lord and that's recorded in heaven. Not only what we gave, but how we gave it. What our attitude was, whether, whether we really uh, just did that joyfully. So there are a couple of questions we need to ask To evaluate as we give. One is, am I giving joyfully or am I giving out of obligation? Am I giving because it's a desire? I can't wait to get to the the house of the Lord and to give, as it says in the Old Testament, that they would come daily and give to the house of the Lord. It would be interesting to take a a seven-day-a-week offering, right? They would come daily. They'd give their offering to the Lord. They couldn't wait to get there. So are we giving joyfully? Second, are we giving sacrificially? Not just what our conscience tells us, not just what the bottom line says, and we hit a certain percentage, and we do that, and we're good. Are we giving sacrificially? Third, are we giving daily? And this is where it comes, not just what we put in the offering basket, but in terms of are we spending our money wisely? Are we using it to advance the Lord? We don't talk about giving a lot in this church, but, but we should not underestimate the importance of actual financial giving to the Lord. Over a thousand times in Scripture, God talks about giving. That means it's a priority to Him. It's one of the ways that we can bless the Lord. Second, would you see that we also bless Him by the gift of our presence. Now, as I wrote that in my notes, I thought, boy, that sounds kind of narcissistic. You have the gift of my presence. Isn't it good? Aren't you glad I'm here? But that's not what it's talking about. The Bible says in Psalm 100, Enter His gates with thanksgiving, And into his courts with praise, give thanks to him and bless his name. In other words, God desires our presence. Now, as a parent, I love being around my kids. I love being with them. I love spending time with them. I love talking to them. I love hearing what's going on in their lives. Even if we're just doing nothing, even if we're just hanging out, I get to be in their presence. And as we all know, right? As you get older and they get older and the schedule gets busier, that time gets more and more rare. And we have to be careful that we don't do uh, that, 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 the time that we do have isn't filled with electronics and, and, and communicating with other people that are sitting somewhere else rather than the people that are with us. I, I called us the other night, I forget where we were, I don't know if it was a restaurant or somewhere, and, and I looked around and I thought, oh my goodness, we've turned into that family. Because everybody was on a device. We were doing some work, changing emails, and the kids were playing a game, and they were communicating and doing whatever teenagers do. It scares me, I don't even know. And, and, and I, thought, I looked around and I thought, all five of us are sitting here. This is a rare moment. We don't get this often. And what are we doing? We're all staring at a screen. That's not actual time in each other's presence, is it? Oh, we're in the same room. There's proximity, but we're not together. Quality time is about focus. It's about putting down the device. Uh Uh-oh, here comes conviction. It's about putting down the device and looking the other person in the eyes and listening to them and valuing them and showing that you care about what's going on in their lives. Now, draw the same analogy to the Lord. If we're going to bless the Lord by being in His presence, what does that mean? It means not grabbing five minutes while I pray, while I'm eating breakfast, or, or I'll grab a little bit of scripture and just fill my heart and just kind of go on. It means quality time with the Lord. Why? Because for some reason, the Lord wants us to be in His presence. For some reason, the Lord values that fellowship and He wants us to pay attention to Him and listen to Him and show love for Him. It's not really hard to imagine as a parent. Why that would bless the Lord. Why that would bring him so much joy. So he needs time where we're in his presence. And we need time where we're in his presence. Third, we can also bless the Lord with our praise and our worship. There's been a lot of discussion about worship over the years. A lot of debate on what it's supposed to look like and what kind of songs to sing and how the lights should be, and whether there should be a band or not a band, and whether there should be guitar and drums, or we should sing hymns, or should be hymn books, should be screens, should be fog, should there be not fog, should the ceiling be painted black, should people on stage have a tattoo. There, there's all kinds. It, it, it hurts my mind to think about the discussions about worship. We're talking about the wrong things. You know what worship is? Worship is simply getting into the presence of God and humbly acknowledging His greatness and His authority and being grateful for His mercy and saying, Lord, we need You. If we will gather and do that, God will be honored. God will be blessed. But if we make it difficult, or we try to make it creative in the sense of being clever, or we try to manipulate emotion, and this happens all throughout denominations and all throughout generations if we try to manipulate emotion and get people to feel something so that they'll be drawn to a certain response that's not worship that's just a show worship is saying god you are great i am not thank you for your mercy because i need you that's worship and if we can come to that place god will be blessed and what does that mean like we talked about last week, it means that our praise shouldn't be muted or limited or hesitant. It should reflect how much we love the Lord and how thankful we are. Look at verses 3 to 7 just for a minute and notice how David's focus is so undeniably God-centered. We, when we do Bible study methods, we say look at pronouns, okay? So as boring as that is, it sounds like English class. Look at verses 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. And look at all the pronouns. He, the Lord, is greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. We'll praise your works, your mighty acts, your majesty, your wonderful works, your power and awesome acts, your greatness, your abundant goodness, and your righteousness. Ten times in five verses, he says it's all about you. You are great and wonderful and power and sovereign and sufficient and everything is directed to you. There's not one word about himself. Your greatness, your power, your majesty, your awesome acts, your goodness, your righteousness, your wonderful works, your majesty. His focus and his perspective is crystal clear. We are here to bless you. We are here to give you the gift of praise. We are here to bring honor to you. Church should never be about me or about you. It should be about the Lord. And We've gotten so off track in Christianity because we've made it about us. We preach about our felt needs and we make it so it will be attractive and relevant. And there's nothing wrong with being relevant. We should be relevant to our culture, but not at the expense of drawing glory all to God. So worship is about bringing glory to God. Why is that important? Because Psalm 22 says God inhabits the praises of His people. It's a reference to the tabernacle. Where they would put up the tent and God's presence would come down and dwell among the people. Why? Because He delights in our praise. When God looks at you, when God looks at me, how does He see us praise? When God looks at this church, how does He see us praise Him? Is he delighted? Does he go, wow, look at them. They are so sincere and they are praising me and they're not ashamed and they love me and they're joyful. And and you know what? They're a little nervous because they can't sing very well, but oh, I'm just so satisfied. I'm so pleased. Look at that. Or does he say, why are they holding back? Why aren't they... Praising me. I mean, this is the time to come and be refreshed and be restocked so we can go out and tell people about Jesus. So, if they're not doing it here, what are they going to do out there? Not for a show. Not to say, well, look at me, I'm really praising God. I'm doing what the verse... No, 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 no. This is all about sincerity of heart. Do we praise the Lord and do we bless Him? Now, as important as those things is, let's draw this to a conclusion. As important as those things are, we need to be careful that we don't conclude that if we just give more and, and we spend more time in the Word and in prayer and if we'll just loosen up a little bit in our praise, that everything will be great and we'll be doing what God calls us to do because it's easy to do those things and still not be spiritually sincere. So let's look back at one more verse and we're going to pray. The real secret to the passage is is in verse 2. And it is a simple phrase, and it will slip by us if we don't really stop and listen to the Spirit, where David says, Every day I will bless you. Every day I will bless you. Now what does that mean? It says that the blessing of the Lord is not just a series of spiritual actions throughout the week. It's not a church service here and a Bible study there and some time in prayer and serving in the nursery and making a meal for somebody and maybe some worship music or listening to a sermon in the car and and kind of doing our best. And there, I've, I've blessed the Lord every day. I mean, that's a pretty good list. If you're doing all those things, you're doing pretty well. But it's not all that the Lord wants. Listen carefully now because I want you to hear what the Holy Spirit says, not what I'm saying. God didn't create us and He didn't sacrifice Christ for us and He didn't redeem us and indwell us and secure us forever so we can live a nominal life. He created us for something far greater and we've used the verse before and you've got to hear it again. He calls us to be a living sacrifice. What does that mean? It means total, complete, unselfish abandonment to His will and His holiness and His Lordship. Think about the words the choir sang I was created for your glory. All of my days were made for you. Lord, you have formed me and you know me. Without you, Lord, what can I do? I was made to live for you. That's His purpose. He formed me out of dust so that I would be living for Him. He created you and me in His own image and through Christ, as redeemed children of God, He conforms us to His Son. So it is not done for us to live marginal half in the world, half for Christ's lives, we are to be sold out, surrendered, living to bring Him glory. And if we're not doing that, and this is going to sound harsh, if we're not doing that, we're just playing a game. If we are not completely surrendered, completely sold out to Christ, if our life is not about bringing Him glory all the time, that essentially we are acting apart. We're saying, I can do this here and not do this here and God will be blessed. But that's not how it works. Because the rest of the song says, Lord, I give my life as a sacrifice for you. I give everything as an offering to you. That's blessing. That's blessing the Lord. It's kneeling and giving Him a gift. And in this case, the gift is is our whole life. Now, why do we do that? Why do we do that? As a believer, this is actually easy. You're going, doesn't sound easy to me. But this is actually easy to do, to live this life of faith and obedience and praise. Why do we do it? What's the motivation? What's the draw? How do, we, how do we get inspired in our hearts to do this? Let me give you three reasons and we'll pray. Tony, come. Number one, we do this because we want to bring in glory. We want to bring in glory. Think about that now. Think about that. Psalm 29 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. There are so many pretenders this morning that are saying, give me glory. So many people who are saying, look at me, I have political power, or I'm socially relevant, or I'm an entertainer, or I'm an athlete, or I'm somebody that you should follow on Twitter. It's all about me. And God says, there is nobody else that deserves glory but me. God is a jealous God. And he's so jealous of his glory that he says in Revelation 16 that the Spirit says people who blaspheme God and refuse to give him glory, this is harsh, they'll be scorched for their pride with fire. God says, I'm not going to take anybody else taking my glory. I'm the only one that gets glory. He said, well, that sounds really narcissistic. No, he's God. He doesn't have to defend his glory, He says, I want you, my children, to bring me glory. Because look at what I've done in your lives. Come on, you're not the same as you were 10 years ago, right? I got saved in 1974, 40 years this summer. I'm not the same as I was then. I'm not the same as I was 20 years ago. And praise the Lord, I hope I won't be the same tomorrow as I am today. You deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. You deserve the praise. Come on, we can't give anybody else that glory this week, including ourselves. Why do we do it? To bring Him glory. Second, we bless Him so others would know Him and love Him. We've talked about it a lot. I won't belabor it. But think about the disciples again before the Spirit came talking about themselves, thinking about themselves, defending themselves, arguing, not listening to Christ, not hearing what He said He was going to do, completely ineffective in ministry. Christ sends them out at one point and they come back and they say, we couldn't do anything. But after Pentecost, after they prayed, and after they yielded themselves, and after the Spirit came and empowered them, they could not be stopped. It is such a stark contrast between Luke 24 and Acts 2, that tens of thousands of people got saved and redeemed and the church exploded and changed the world. Oh, what would happen, church, if the American church alone got serious about prayer and about yielding itself to the Lord and about submitting to the Spirit? How much would God work? We're playing around. We're not doing anything. And God says, call on my name and bless me and I'll work and people's lives will be changed. All around us, people are going to hell and we just kind of wander and say, what's tomorrow like? We bless him so others would know him. Finally, we bless him because we love him and we want to bring him joy. Who has loved you more than the Lord? Who has proven their love more convincingly? Who has ever sacrificed for you more than God has? Who's been more merciful and more gracious? Who's been more faithful and more caring and more generous? There is no one like the Lord. And if like me, you've been pulled out of the miry clay and you've been rescued from sin and you've been forgiven, And you've been justified, declared righteous by almighty, holy God. And you have been secured forever. And you have joy inexpressible. Listen now, I'm done. Don't you want to bring him joy? Think about what God has done in our lives. And he says, now I bless you more than you can imagine. Now bless me how you live, how you think, how you speak, how you praise, how you worship, how you give, it should be to bless me and to bring joy to me. Let's close our eyes. Let this settle now in your heart. Holy Spirit, help us right now. Let God's word settle in your heart. Maybe the Word of God cut deeply this morning. That's what it does. It's a two-edged sword. It rightly divides our soul. Maybe this morning you feel a little sliced up. That's good. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Don't resist that now. Go with it. What is the Holy Spirit calling you to do? How is He calling you to live? Maybe you've been marginal for a long time. What is God calling you to? How is God calling you to change this morning? This is not just a, a one time I'm under conviction and I'm ready to go type of thing. This is now a commitment. This is lifestyle. Are you ready to walk with Him? Are you ready to really... Surrender yourself and bring blessing to Him every day. That's what we're called to. This is not an option. This is a command. I would encourage every one of us, and I am very included in this, that we would search our spirit right now for pride. Search for a resistant attitude that God would change our hearts and that we would be willing and open for that change and that the prevailing attitude of our lives would be to bless the Lord. Bringing Him honor, bringing Him glory, showing our love, telling others, oh, the Lord is so good. Oh, I want more of that in my life. Less focus on me, more focus on Him. I pray that your prayer this morning. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. We're stubborn and we're proud. Even as redeemed children of God, we're stubborn and proud. Self is strong. Lord, destroy it. That you would increase, that we would decrease. Lord, break us of our self sufficiency. Break us of what we want we would kneel and present you the gift of our lives that you would be honored and magnified Lord do a work in our lives do a work in this church that we would be acts to that our praise would be effusive and people would say there's something about those people they love the Lord and that we'd talk openly and boldly and people would get saved Lord bring a harvest this summer of people getting saved. People having their lives changed and redeemed by your grace. Lord, bring that harvest and may we be the ones that are ready. Father, we love you so much. We're so grateful for what you've done. Strengthen us now because the battle will be strong. And the enemy will be fighting us, trying to discourage us, trying to dissuade us. We pray against him. We pray your power would eliminate him again. That we would be strong in the Lord and power of His might. Put on the full armor of God so we can do the work. Help us, Lord, we pray. We thank You and we praise You. In the name of Jesus, everybody said together.